Welcome to the Moving Forward Podcast. I am super excited about our guest today. I am your host, Corey Cottrell. Uh, and of course, we have my co-host, Rio Verdenier. Hey, guys. There it is. So we got Richard Ojeda uh, on, the, uh, on the show today. Uh, I actually interviewed him a while back uh, for, uh, for, for you know, uh, the hashtag coffee show that, uh, that we do. I already know that he's awesome. But then I found out that he's actually hung out with, uh, with our boy, Andrew Yank. So I'm pretty, pretty stoked to, uh, to chat with him. Uh, but to, Rich, if we could, could you maybe uh, uh, give us a, a background of your movement into politics? You know, I know you're, you're uh, from West Virginia. I know we know you've been working with the, with the teachers unions. Like, give, us a, give us your history. Why, why did you feel the need to, uh, uh, to get into this fight? Well, you know, I spent uh, 24 years in the military. You know, when I grew up, I, I graduated. It was either dig coal, sell dope, or join the Army. So I chose the military. And for 24 years, uh, I enjoyed it. I loved the military. But, of course, you know, there was a lot of things in, the, you know, that, that role, that, that, you know, job as it is, that takes you away from your family. But for 24 years, you know, I, I loved the military. I saw the world, uh, spent multiple times in combat zones and things of that nature. And then I made the decision one day that I was going to retire to get more time with my family and return home. And that was when, you know, I returned home and I started looking around and realizing that the local politicians all had their hands in the cookie jar. The people at the state level were not doing anything for the people. And then on the national level, it was absolutely upside down. So that's when I've decided that, uh, you know, I was going to try to do something. I started nonprofit organizations, just started doing all kinds of different things to try to help people out. And then I realized one day that the best thing for me to do was to actually start challenging them. And that's what I did. Nice. Nice. Uh, so what, uh, what were those challenges like? Like what, what's the, uh, you know, you know, over the, over the last 10, 20 years, right? I mean, you said you, you had basically three choices. You dig coal, you could, uh, 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 you know, go to the army, you could sell dope, right? Like yeah. that, what, what have the ramifications, like what, what's been the progression over the last 10 or 20 years in, well, there, in there West really Virginia? Hasn't. There really hasn't been any profession, you know, any progression. Right. Uh, it's basically still dig coal, sell dope, join the army, you know, uh, you know, we know that there's things that need to be done in these parts around here, but you know, these people are so, it's like, this is a, this is a part of the state also that is just so beholden to coal. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, you know, I, I, I respect these coal miners out there. They're working, they're feeding their families. Uh, but you know, it's a profession that's actually, you know, it's, 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 it's going away. Yeah. And we need people to fight for opportunities to come into this area so that those coal miners can transition to new jobs. But the problem is, is that you have people that want to continue lying to these coal miners and telling them that they're going to save coal and coal's going to be king again. And it's not. But those people are willing to support those folks because they're willing to tell them a lie that is far better than, well, there's a possibility we bring opportunities into the state, but you're not going to be able to make $180,000 a year doing it. So that's one of the issues is nobody around here wants any change, even though it's, it's, it's inevitable. Uh, another reason is, is that, or another problem is, you know, when you challenge the powers that be in these parts, they have pretty much solidified their, their hold on power. I was actually, I won my state Senate race from the emergency room. Because two days before I won my state Senate seat, I was struck in the back of the head with a pipe and they broke eight bones in my face with brass knuckles. That's what goes on down in these parts. And that's why you've got good people that are scared to stand up and challenge people for those positions because they fear down in these parts, you could be killed doing it. Wow. 
Wow. I, you know, it's, you know, we haven't, uh, uh, um, luckily had any of that kind of violence here in Pasco County, but it is, it, you know, the, the, the same kind of thing, the Republicans have locked down power here and it's, it's damn near impossible to, to, to do anything about it. Um, and, and that, that's a, that's a deep concern. And it, it, it really speaks to, you know, the, the microcosm of, of what you're dealing with in West Virginia is so reminiscent of what Trump is doing to the, re- to the rest of America, right? He's lying to people telling them that the factories are coming back. They're not coming back. They're getting automated, right? He's lying to people that, you know, that the tariffs are, are, are going to somehow magically fix the economy, even though we're the ones who are paying for them, right? So over and over and over again, and people just have this automatic nostalgic desire or bias, whatever it is, to believe what he says because that's just easier, right? Like coal's always going to be there. We're going we're gonna to bring back all your factories when it's just ridiculous. Well, I think a lot of people also just don't like to admit the fact that they fell for it. And we all fell for it, mm. you know, and I, and I hate to say it, you know, we, we, I fell for it. Uh, but it didn't take me long at all to realize that, wow, this is absolutely unacceptable. This is garbage. And we need to, we need to fix this quickly. Uh, you know, that's, that's what it is. They, they have, they have figured out how to tap into uh, a, a group of people that never voted before. And yeah. now those people will absolutely go to the polls and vote, which is why it's important that every single Democrat out there and every single independent and every single Republican that is against Donald Trump cannot set silent on election day and let that day pass. They've got to be absolutely focused to go to the polls, take their family members to the polls, help people get registered to go and vote. I mean, and, and then and then be willing to educate people you know, online, when you have a friend that posts something that you know is wrong, you need to call that person out immediately, show them the facts, and then in the hopes that will convince them to take the post down and then start actually doing more research before they start saying things like, look, tr- Trump's, uh, the, 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 the job market's better than it's ever been before. Yeah, it's because a person has to now work three jobs to be able to provide for, for their family. Yes. Well said, Richard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, that's part of what this show is about. You know, Corey's a progressive. I'm a conservative. I'm an ex-Republican who left the Republican Party because Trump is like, is like he's achieved a hostile takeover of that party. Um, and I, I understand, um, Richard, that you supported Trump. Is that yes. right? Like uh, initially. So you were a Bernie guy and then you were a Trump guy. And now, uh, well, I, I mean, I don't know. You, you, you said you might not be able to endorse somebody because of your job. Um, you were in the uh, West Virginia Senate. Is that correct? Yes. Very cool. What was that like? Well, you know, as I got up there, what I did was I, 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 you know, it's kind of funny, but you know, when a person runs for office in many cases, like myself, I retire from the military and I just jump in there and start throwing punches and I win a state Senate seat. Well, I can remember the first day I'm in my office sitting at my desk and I'm thinking to myself, how the hell do I Senate? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, what am I going to do? Yeah. So, you know, big, big energy comes into my office. It's like the next day, the big energy guys come into my office and they pissed me off right off the bat. I told them to get out of my damn office. So I threw big energy out. But as I threw big energy out, there was a guy standing at the door and he had a beard, long hair, you know, had a tattoo on his face and he poked his head into my door and he said, Hey, Senator, would you like to talk about medical cannabis? And at first I looked at this guy, and I'm like, well, hell, he looks kind of wild. Might be a good, fun conversation. Come on in and have a seat. <laughs> so he come on in. His name was Rusty Williams, and we had one of the best conversations. And during that conversation, the 
really thinking, you know, 22 veterans are committing suicide every single day in this country. And we're doing nothing to stop that. And then, you know, as we were talking, he was a cancer survivor. We talked about multiple sclerosis, severe ADHD, all the anxiety, Crohn's disease, all these things that we know now without a shadow of a doubt that cannabis does help. So I said right there, now I have my fight. And I started, and I was told by everybody on the Democrat side and the Republican side, don't you dare even think of bringing that to the floor. <laughs> Other states had spent millions upon millions of dollars in lobbying to get medical cannabis passed. It was never going to pass West Virginia. So we wasn't going to get a dime from anybody. But I went out there, and I, start, I started uh, giving passionate speeches. I gave a speech one time where I held 13 uh, uh, dog tags of, of, of brothers that did not come home. And I said, we cannot save these people, but we can help those that are struggling right now. And that's why it's important to be able to allow this state to become you know, legal for medical cannabis. Well, all of a sudden, people started making phone calls and the computers went crazy because the majority of people in West Virginia are supportive of this. It's yeah. just these elected officials say no because, and oh, by the way, big farmers showed up immediately when Richard Ojeda started picking up uh, 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 momentum. And of course, you know, they were doing everything in their power to make sure that mar medical marijuana didn't pass. But by the time, you know, this all caught on, they knew there was nothing they could do. The last day of the session, when the bill was waiting to be, but they, of course, they held it to the last single, the, you know, the days that the last day. Yep. And the, the uh, Republican uh, president, Senate president came to me and he says, well, he said, uh, we're going to hold your bill to the last because I want to, we're going to vote on a few other things and we may need your help. So I looked at him and I told him, I said, let me tell you something. If you think for one second, I'm going to change the way I vote so that you can daggone get this, allow this to go through. I'm going to grab this microphone right now. I'm going to light your ass up. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. And they basically went ahead and let my bill get voted on and go on. Yeah. Uh, but that's the kind of mentality that you have in the Capitol. When I got up there in the Capitol, I saw the real dirt. And then it's when I realized it's far more dirty in, in Washington, D.C., but even oh, on the yeah. state levels, you've got lobbyists that run around. we got the Friends of Coal and the Coal Association. Couldn't give two shits about a daggone coal miner. Sorry if I said a bad word there. No, you can, uh, you can, you can ramp it all the way the fuck up if you want. Because well, it, you know, it, it is that here. kind of era. Yeah, oh, great. Well, I will tell you, you know, those people right there don't give two shits about coal miners, uh, but they're spending a lot of money and they're making a lot of legislators happy. And yeah. that's the problem. And that's what I saw. And, you know, the next year was when the teacher strike happened. And I spent four years in the classroom after retiring. I was a state senator and a teacher at Chapville High School. I taught ROTC. And, you know, every single day, I, the teachers were always talking about tenure. They were talking about the low pay, how they struggle, how they have to go out of their pocket for all these things. And, you know, I realized that they were pushing legislation over on the House side that were doing away with tenure. And then there was a thing called Go 365 that was absolutely a, a train wreck. So I stood up and I, and I gave a speech. You know, I, I never sit down and wrote out speeches, never did. Usually 99% of the time it was, I would be sitting on the Senate floor and one of those friggin' other people would say something would piss me off. And I'd say, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna fire that asshole up. And that's what I do. And I gave that speech and 
at the, by the end of the day, it had been viewed over a, t a hundred thousand times. And then uh, I got a phone call that night and it was teachers in Mingo County said, Hey, we wanted you to come over here real quick. I drove over there and shit, man. It, next thing you know, the very next day, Mingo County was the first to go out on strike. Then there were three other schools. Within four days, we had 28,000 teachers standing around the Capitol, 55 strong. Everybody locked it down. Yeah, you know, the first time that uh, first time I saw you, you were on the, uh, the Michael Moore movie. And it was the first time that I had seen a Democrat with fucking fight. Like, just there is so much good reason for rage right now. There is so much injustice going on right now, and it is systemic, and it's been going on for a long time, and it's completely and totally ridiculous. And just to hear someone stand up and say, yeah, fine, I, I voted for Trump just because, you know, it's been really messed up for a long time, whatever, and immediately see the dumpster fire for what it's worth, and then start actually fighting to actually, you know, address the things. I just, I really honor you for that, and, and obviously thanks for, for coming on the show. We want to talk about that, but could you tell us a little bit more about the, the state of, uh, of, of teachers' unions uh, and, and how that fight is going and, and, and sort of what, uh, uh, what progress is being made? Well, I, I think it's going to be, it, it's, it's not really, it's not, it's not well, it's not well. Okay. Right now in West Virginia, the teachers won the strike when I was a state Senator. Then what happened was the very next year I resigned. I, you know, I, I, I ran for Congress and then I resigned cause I was, I ran for, I decided to run for president for the first two months. And yeah. I don't think it's right to leave a seat empty while I'm off running for something else. I wanted somebody to be in my seat. So I resigned my state Senate seat. The first thing that the Republicans did when they come back, well, here's the thing, the midterm elections, before the midterm elections happened, the Republicans come up with a plan and it worked and it was so sad. Jim Justice, the governor of West Virginia, who's a friggin' oxygen thief, worst damn governor ever, by the way. I think Matt Bevin's the worst, but he's second to the worst, but both of them are assholes. Friggin' uh, Jim Justice has this big announcement, and he has all the Republicans standing behind him. Now, I will tell you that after the teacher strike, I would have bet my life we were going to have a blue wave in West Virginia that was going to be bigger than anything in the United States of America. I mean, come on. The Republicans did this to these teachers, and teachers are Republicans and Democrats, mm -hmm. but they screwed over every one of them. Well, you know, Jim Justice had this big thing, and he said, I want all you all to keep my guys in office, reelect them, and I'm going to give you another 5% pay raise, right? Sounds pretty good. Guess what? People like me and a few others were saying, guys, you better not fall for this. Yeah. They reelected these people and they maintained power in the House and the Senate. And the first thing that happened when everybody come back for the new session was they put forth a 5% pay raise, but they also added onto that bill charter schools. And charter schools take away from public schools. Our public schools are already struggling. We're already, we're already sitting at 48, 49th in the United States of America in education. And now you're talking about taking away from the public schools so that you can run these private schools. And oh, by the way, some of these legislators have already went out and started purchasing these buildings that are going to become private schools, you know, and that's yeah. what happens. So right now, we believe that the Republican Party has really done some damage in West Virginia, and there's a big possibility that they're probably going to lose in the 2020 election. I believe that this next session that starts in January and goes through March yep. is going to be absolutely brutal 
for the teachers and teachers union. I think these guys are, some of them know they're on their way out. Yeah. And I think they're going to try to absolutely just hammer the teachers and the teachers unions as much as they can so that when they're gone, it'll be just turmoil. Yeah, I, I'm I'm already worried about that with the with the Trump administration, the amount of damage that they're doing. Like while we're talking about impeachment and and all this stuff with Ukraine, which we do have to do, like it's you know it's a it's a constitutional crisis at best. They're yeah. gutting EPA regulations, they're gutting banking regulations. They're like they're the the amount of things that they're actually accomplishing that are just rat fucking the country is is really messed up. And it's so sad to see that you know that's happening in West Virginia too. So and. and Let's maybe dial into that because we, you know, we we wanted to bring you onto the show to talk about the freedom dividend, uh, because of the impact that it has. But I, thinking about like just the, the speak maybe a little bit to the poverty rates. I, I know there's been uh, uh, you know part of the opioid crisis that has has been raging through uh, West Virginia the way that it has raged through a lot of uh, uh, rural and sort of the areas that are becoming. Uh, post uh, uh, manufacturing that kind of thing. Like what's what's it like on the ground there as far as the poverty numbers that kind of thing. Well, first and foremost, you know, when you said West Virginia's, you know, in the opioid issues like the rest, no, no. Oh, it's not? We are, we were the lab rats. Oh, shit. We were the ones that they come down here and they threw their Oxycontin and hydrocodone on our people. And that's been proven like candy. There's emails that were captured from the people in, in the whole big pharma, you know, the, the, the Purdue family and all those folks where they yeah. were actually messaging Keep them coming, boys. They're eating them up like Doritos. Jesus as long Christ. as you make them, they'll keep eating them. And that was the conversation concerning Oxycontins down here. Yeah. They destroyed our area. The opioid epidemic has ripped us apart. It has. I mean, it's 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 hard to even begin to imagine when you. I can take you 15, 20 minutes from where I live to the pharmacy where the nine million pain pills flew through. Ain't but a few hundred people in the whole daggone area that live there. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's bad. The poverty just I can I can sum it up like this. I tell people one of the reasons why I got into politics was I returned home and I found kids had have it worse than the kids I saw in Iraq and Afghanistan. And that's due to the opioid epidemic. Parents are gone, parents are lost, drugs, overdose, dead, all those things. Uh, you know, we have extreme poverty around here. But here's the thing that they have been able to tap into. You know, you think we're the poorest area, everything around here pretty much sucks, but yet everybody is waving Trump flags and screaming that, you know, MAGA 2020. Yep. Nothing's happened since the last election. Nothing's happened since the 2016 election. You know, the coal mines are still, the only thing's happening right now is coal mine operators are filing for bankruptcy and they're basically sneaking out and the coal miners are sitting there going, you owe me a month's worth of pay and you're not going to get it. And, and, and yet these people are still screaming Trump 2020. What I fear is as a person who's been in the Capitol and I see how much underhanded tactics that go on, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me for those people to idle the mines in West Virginia and wait literally a month, two months before the election and then all of a sudden, Trump comes down here and says, get them going, boys. And they fire them back up. And everybody thinks, yay, the heroes. He'll go to Kentucky and he'll stand with Mitch McConnell and they'll do the same thing. Let me tell you something. These people above, 
coal operators and organizations like the Friends of Coal and the Coal those people absolutely are not above doing those kind of tactics to try to keep who they want in office because they don't give a shit about the poor person. They care about the person that's throwing money in their in their direction. We've got that guy, his last name I believe is Shop or Shoop or something like that. He's the coal operator that just filed for bankruptcy, tried to get $20 million on his way out. He has mines in Wyoming, Kentucky, West Virginia, and Virginia. He's the one that has the miners standing on the railroad tracks that are blocking the trains, okay? Mm -hmm. He's not able to pay his workers. He is building right now one of the largest resorts outside of Huntington, West Virginia. It's going to be bigger than the Greenbrier. So you think about that. He can't afford to pay his coal miners, but he can keep building his daggone resort. That's the kind of garbage that we got going on. But these people around here, for some odd reason, they fall for this shit because these people are telling them, we're going to bring coal back. You got guys that are running for office and their stance is, coal will be king again. For you, you're running for House of Delegates, dumbass. You can't do jack shit about coal. Yep. But yeah, that's uh that's Trump's, that's Trump's MO. I mean, um, before he even announced that he was running for president, his reputation as a con man was already well established. That was exactly what he, he did. He would, he would have a building built and then he wouldn't pay the contractors. He'd declare bankruptcy after yep. paying himself a massive bonus. <clears throat> it's the whole, it's the whole party now though too, right? Like that, that's, you know, and it's not like, it's not like politicians weren't doing that before, you know, like it, it, it's, it's, you know, uh, the, the, but you know what? This, this is blatant. Let me tell you something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I sit and I look and I, I look at Rudy Giuliani. You look at Lindsey Graham. You know, I will tell you that there was a time when I looked at Rudy Giuliani like he was the hero of New York. Yeah. When the towers fell, he was America's mayor, and he was and he gave great speeches. And guys, it's okay for us now. I remember. I mean, he was amazing. His reputation will be nothing more than a bootlicker. Lindsey Graham, bootlicker. They've taken their entire political careers and flushed them down the toilets in order to, bag up, to support a liar and a thief. Now, I know that one of the things you, know, you were talking about, and we're talking West Virginia, we're talking poverty, and that's the freedom dividend. I wanna, I wanna bring this up. You know, I will tell you that you know, I, I can't endorse anybody uh, I, I absolutely think Andrew Yang is absolutely wonderful. I like quite a few different uh, members that are running for office. Uh, I will tell you, uh, I've spent some time with Andrew Yang. He's highly intelligent, uh, and he's a, he's a good person. He's just a down-to-earth good guy. Uh, you know, you see him going out there shooting basketball and stuff like that. I mean, that's the kind of guy he actually really is. Uh, he is a down-to-earth individual. But I will tell you that, you know, the freedom dividend of $1,000 a month for everybody that is an adult in this country. I will tell you that I've, I've went back and forth with people messaging. And, and they've said, well, but it's not fair because, uh, you know, a person that uh, is drawing food stamps has to choose. Well, if you have the ability to get $1,000 a month as a freedom dividend over... $630 on an on a EBT or a, a, a debit card yeah. that you can't buy anything with except, you know, certain things. I think that they would rather have the $1,000.
without a shadow of a doubt. I think that what the freedom dividend would do right now would end welfare in our country because everybody would opt for the freedom dividend, number one. Then we wouldn't have people out there screaming, sick and tired of working my butt off so that freeloaders can get free stuff. So that would end, okay? Yep. I will tell you that being in a place like West Virginia down here, especially Southern West Virginia, if you gave everybody, every adult, $1,000 in Logan County, you're talking about a an infusion of money into the economy. Yes, that would absolutely just be amazing. People could get their cars fixed. They could get their new tires that they that they desperately need. You know, they could pay down some bills. They could pay their bills. They could, uh, you know, they got kids in college. By the way, the kids get a thousand dollars if they're in college. You know, they're adults. But, yep. I mean, you know, there's so much that you could do with this that absolutely would make everyone's life so much better. People could maybe go on a vacation. There's all kinds of things that they could do. And when you have somebody like Andrew Yang, who, you know, once again, you're wearing a math hat. And, you know, he knows math. And he can explain how this can be done and how we can finally get people at the top who have been daggone raking in the money on these corporations and don't even pay no taxes to finally step up and ante up to create the freedom dividend, man, I'm telling you right now, I love it. Yeah, it's it's incredible. We we talk about this a lot on the show. Like the 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 uh, Chris Hayes, you know, why is this happening? Podcast had an expert on on taxes come on and say like, how are we actually going to tax the rich? I mean, obviously we've got to we've got to have an effect on inc- in- income inequality. But like, how do you do it? Every time you raise taxes, even the wealth tax, it's going to be a, a spectacular failure. It's just not going to work, right? And, but then and then you also got to realize, you know, you have these people, especially down here. Down here, you know, the coal operator comes down here, and I mean, he he works the people. He works them seven days a week, twelve hours a day. You know, and then all of a sudden he'll claim bankruptcy and he'll run out. And when you scream coal operators, everybody says, hey, man, well, you know, we got to be careful because they're going to come in and give us jobs, but they're going to screw you over royally every, every day on time. Well, it's a no different when you have people saying, well, you know, we Amazon makes a lot, they create a lot of jobs. Well, remember right now, if you go to an Amazon factory or a warehouse, it's, it's machines. Yep. You know, they're, ta- they're capitalizing on the technology. And they're not creating as many jobs as they would like people to think. So, you know, my thing is, is they're making all the money. They're not exactly creating all the jobs that they would like you to think. So how about they, they finally ante up and start paying some taxes in this country? I can and care less jo- if Amazon, the, the, I can care the, less yeah. if the Walton family gets hammered mm-hmm. real well. You know, we offset their medical, you know, because they, they uh, only uh, 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 give 20 hours a week at Walmart to everybody except the managers, and those people are struggling. I went to a medical place called Health Right in Charleston, West Virginia, and it's one of those places that, you know, provides medical, you know, capabilities for the poor. I went there thinking I was going to find a bunch of people that were maybe maybe homeless, things like that. I went there and found people that work. I went there and found a woman that had two kids. One of them was getting her teeth done. Because why? Because that she works at Burger King. You know, she don't get the, the, the decent benefits to give her kids the health care. So they go to HealthRight and HealthRight takes care of them. Now HealthRight sends a bus like once a month all over Southern West Virginia to stop down here and fix children's teeth because yeah, people no. don't have the money to go to the dentist. 
Right. Yeah, Richard, you're right. Well, you, you said that you pointed out that the freedom dividend is actually an op- a way to reform welfare. And the, the truth is our current tax and spend welfare system basically is just forcing the middle class to subsidize corporations because we're making it easier for them to pay people less yeah, that's by, the giving them, by giving them health care and all these other things. Yeah. Yeah, that's the you're biggest right. wel- welfare that we have in this country. The largest welfare fraud in this country is the people at the top. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, I'll tell you, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you, it bothers me. I went, when I was running for the presidency, I went to California and I went to uh, Facebook. I went to the Facebook area. And, you know, when you go through the parking lot, there's Teslas everywhere. And, you know, it, uh, surrounding that area there, it's so expensive. The people that work there can't afford to live there. So the average blue collar workers, the people that are there also, you know, cleaning the place up, things like that. Five nights a week, they sleep in the shuttle bus. Every night, the shuttle bus, after they're taking everybody to and from their cars, it parks and people get on and they sleep in the shuttle bus because Facebook does not pay them enough money to live in the area that they work. So on the weekends, they go home to see their families. Then they come back and live five days, you know, in, in a, 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 a bus. Well, they actually tried to unionize. They tried to unionize and say, hey, we, we deserve more. What Facebook did was Facebook said, we're going to give you all a 37 cent an hour raise if you don't, you know, try to, try to protest and, 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 and unionize. I mean, you know, and, and I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, that's, this is what the talk was last time I was there. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that you have to understand. You know, Facebook, how much money do you make? Facebook could literally buy a piece of property and build townhouses for their workers and their families to come there and live. They could build a school. We're talking about organizations that make more money than people know how to deal with. Yep. And yet they still want to just shove it in their pockets and they don't want to give to the most important people. And I will tell you, you know, the most important person is the working class citizen. You will see me, I would fist fight on a picket line for unions. And that's what we need. We need more people to stand up for the working class citizens. And we need our unions to have that capability to have a voice and a seat at the table. And we don't have that. And it's because of what we see going on in this country today. Yeah, so the the uh, the freedom dividend, and I want to talk about democracy bucks too, because I think I think that you know, that that agency, that ability for labor to actually feel like it has a voice, like it has power, which I completely agree, just diminished yeah. to almost nothing. Um, we keep talking about you know you find any local local town, like what's a small town that's around you right now? Uh, the town of Man. Okay, so the town of Man. Uh, like anywhere from like I don't know five to fifteen million dollars a month going into a lot of small towns. Like talk about what that would do to a small town of West Virginia that lost its coal mine. You know, people are, the houses are, 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 are super cheap or whatever. Like what, what, what kind of impact would that have just on, on man? Well, let's, let's look at the growth of a community. You know, people leave because there's nothing here. Right. You know, if you had $15 million into a small community, every single, you know, let me tell you something. Mom and pop stores would come back. Right. You know, mom and pop stores don't exist because they can't compete with Walmart. But if you've got that much money coming into an area, you'd be crazy not to go ahead and open a business because you could actually thrive doing it. 
You know, I mean, there's so much more that, and then again, to the businesses that are there, like I said, you know, if you need new tires, the, you know, the tire shop is going to absolutely get overrun with workers. We're going to need more, more, more. They're going to need to hire more people to, to change people's tires. Yep. Jobs are going to, are going to pop up. I mean, there's so much benefit to this that would help the average. I mean, when you talk about the amount, if you look at, okay, 37,000 adults in Logan County, times $1,000 each, that much money basically being infused into the economy every single month yeah, is huge. We don't have none of that now. So that right there is basically like saying, hey, guys, every month here, we're going to give you this. I mean, you know, I, go out to the movies, eat at restaurants more, you know, shopping for, for school clothes. I mean, let me tell you something. It would just absolutely change everyone's lives it would change i'm not going to say it would change some people's lives it would change everyone's lives even those on welfare yeah and i will tell you a lot of people say well you know welfare is it, it, you know if they take a thousand dollars versus welfare uh they're just going to use it for drugs well you know let me tell you something sadly you do have a significant amount of people that are on welfare that are still cheating the system by going to the store and spending their money on certain items that then go into the black market and they get paid cash for. And then they do what they want with the cash. You know, at least that system $1,000 a month and that would be it. Well, and also everybody else would be getting the same amount of money. So the resentment, as you said, goes away. I mean, That's personally, right. I don't care how somebody spends their own money. I worry about how they spend my money. <laughs> right it's their Absolutely. money i don't give a shit <laughs> and if somebody comes on here because i know some people that try to act like well i don't want it i wouldn't take it okay then give it to charity but make yeah. no mistake about it don't sit and deny everybody else the ability to get a thousand dollars a month that can benefit their families because you decide that you think it's a socialist program and you don't want it you know okay. i love it I, <clears throat> yeah. everybody wants to scream yeah. socialism but they want to drive on our roads and go to our schools well, calling it calling it socialism is funny, and people saying they don't want it. I mean, yes, you you don't. You're right. You should ask them um, what they deny it of other people. But you could also ask them, what about people who pay more than that in taxes right now? Ba basically, they would just be getting some tax relief. Are you going? You you saying are you calling it socialism to give the middle class tax relief? I don't think right. so. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's uh, even at Pasco County, you had that uh, the thing up where uh, uh, you could put your zip code in and it kind of tells you how much would go into your area. I think just in West Pasco County, it was like $120 million every four weeks. Like there's, I mean, yeah. there's just nothing. It's insane, right? Yeah, where I live right now in Logan County, West Virginia, in the town yep. of Logan, we had a building fall into the street two months ago. Jesus. Like, it wasn't, it, it wasn't demolished. It just it's fell so into the street. You know, imagine if $120 million a month come into that little, in the, into that area. I mean, goodness gracious, the buildings would get, we'd have new buildings in a couple of years. Yeah. Maybe not even that. And so, and I think the, the other thing too, that people really need to understand about the welfare thing, my buddy, Greg brings this up, right? He's on, he's on uh, uh, disability and, and uh, I think some, some social security now. And every time he works, like he does some, some counseling, right? Every time he works, it basically is a hit on, uh, uh, on, on, you know, what he gets monthly. So it actually costs him money to work. 
which is just the most brainless, ridiculous thing ever. If you're if you're on you know uh, uh, food stamps, all the amount like the bureaucratic loopholes you have to go through, all that other bullshit, all of it just goes away, right? If you want to get a job, and now there's going to be way more jobs to be doing because everyone has that instantaneous demand over and over and over again. I would just I I wish we could just inject into people's minds that you know are worried about the you know the, the destruction of welfare. If you think about how much this will do for literally every single human being in America. Like we just don't need it anymore. It's because we've gone, we've just transcended it completely. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. All right, let's do it. Sign me up. So Richard, I'm curious to know, um, what was it? Like, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? What was the moment like when you realized, okay, yeah, I totally got conned by Trump. Like, when did you realize that he was full of shit? (laughs) Well, you know, it was shortly after, it was after he got in, once he, I mean, it, it wasn't like there was a period of time where, you know, he was doing things and, and it, it, everything seemed, you know, calm. It was a freaking train wreck. Every, it was like all of a sudden he's tweeting up every single day and, and just the things that he says. And, and I was just like, wow, you know, I think we've been duped. Yeah. And then it just continued to go. It just continued to go. And, and that was yeah. it. And, you know, I come from an area where, you know, it's dangerous to not be a, a, a Trump supporter. You know, I personally don't give a shit. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to say what I, I what I say. Yeah. But uh, I, I will tell you, I mean, you know, it took this guy two years to go pay pay a visit to the troops, you know, uh, and, and then he took his family with him, you know, <laughs> maybe so they can probably shield him from any, any harm or danger. You know, it's just, it's never stopped with this guy. And, and I will tell you that it looks like right now, we are living under a crime syndicate. You know, the things that are going on and the things that they're doing, they, they have now placed themselves above the law. He has made comments uh, that are absolutely asinine, but are also quite scary. When you think about it, when you're talking about a person that actually would, you know, right now he's making the comments that he's calling it a coup and, you know, he's, he is stoking the fire in the hopes that if he does get impeached, he wants to see unrest in the streets of this country because he wants it to all be about him so that he can feel like people are out there fighting and dying for him. When the truth is he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve that. You know, and I cannot stand the the double standard that we have. I'm sick and tired of the people saying, well, you know, you guys won't, you you guys are refusing to give him an opportunity to get shit done. You know what? I can remember when Mitch McConnell said that he would not let anything the President Obama pushed pass. That son of a bitch, absolutely. The moment that Trump won, he started crying that the the new controlled Democratic House was, was, you know, was, was doing, was doing the same things that he wanted to do. Well, yeah. and the Republicans had Republicans had both houses of Congress for the first, you know, for the first couple of years, and yeah. they didn't do anything. They didn't. They <laughs> didn't do a single thing. They could have thing. built his wall. They could have built his wall from sea to shining sea if they wanted to. <laughs> Absolutely, I tell people all the time. I say, you know, if they wanted certain things, that I don't care. I say it. You know, the whole abortion thing always comes up during elections. Let me tell you something. Those people don't give a shit about kids. If they cared about kids, they'd talk about feeding the kids, clothing the kids, and educating the kids instead of cutting those damn programs. They could give two shits about the life of a child, but yep. they bring it up every day on election so that they can get those far-right evangelicals out there to go, oh, we've got to go save the life of every child. Save the life and full of shit. 
Everyone, I'm eight minutes worth of time. Zero argument. Uh, well, um, let's maybe talk about, uh, uh, you know, we're talking about the union thing. I worry about that a lot. So the, the, cause I don't know what the remedy is to increase the power of, you know, like the, the, the working class's actual voice. Right. So we talk about, you know, uh, uh, like, cause I, like I just, it's not my world. Right. So I don't know how to reconstruct the, 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 the organizational capacity uh, and the, honestly, like accruing of any kind of power that unions would have to actually speak for themselves and change things for the ground uh, on the ground for them. But Democracy Bucks basically gives literally everybody uh, the capacity to at least start having an effect on on uh, uh, electoral politics in the same way that Citizens United has allowed giant corporations to basically just just finish off owning it because they were already basically doing it anyway. And if you did that, and everybody, you know, if everybody got the same, yeah, and they were allowed to give that much. And you, and you only said that's all you could do. You know, the reason why right now corporations win is because, you know, the Citizens United shit, you know, where they basically come in and they, they, they grease the pockets of legislators to do their bidding. If we stopped that and we gave everybody the ability, this person over here that lives in this house has just as much power on elections as the CEO of Dagon, the NRA, imagine what would happen then when the politicians realize now it's more about the numbers and not exactly. the number of money. Because then what happens is, is then you will see them down on the damn lines where the working class citizens operate, trying to get that freedom, that, that, uh, that, uh, that, that, uh, democracy about? dollars. Yeah, yeah. Democracy dollars. For them, they'd be down there listening to the people. And then when they were listening to the people, they would realize how important it is to support unions. I tell people all the time, if you work in a job that isn't a union job, you need to unionize. You need to union. You need a voice at the table. You need a seat at the table. If you don't have a, you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu at the fact, you know? So yep. if we did that, you would start to see unions come back to power again. And they need to. Because you should not allow a person at the top of a company to do some of the things that get done to non-union locations, you know? And a lot of times, like where I come from right now, there's no other jobs. you got these coal miners out there working. They're working seven days a week sometimes. And you know what? They love their job because they know it's the best job that they can have around here. Right. But I'm going to tell you right now, you know, I can assure you, they would love it if it was only five days a week and if they still got good pay and if they had better uh, health care capabilities, you know, and maybe if they had unions that they, they would have that. But the problem is, is that that right to work garbage come to West Virginia and they have chipped away at unions ever since. We only have a couple mines in West Virginia now that are union. The rest of them are non-union mines. And in a non-union mine, you may have a job, but you don't have a voice. Yeah, you're just, you're, you're just a cog in the machine at that point. Um, so with that democracy, well, let, me, box, let, let me, let me real quick. I'll tell yeah, go ahead. Go I ahead. Apologize. When I was a state Senator, one of the things that they tried to do and they, and they tried to do it was crane operators. When a crane falls over, it's catastrophic. They come together, the Republicans in West Virginia and pushed legislation to remove the countermeasures around the cranes that would keep them from falling over. We had union crane operators in the Capitol basically with their, 
wives and with their families and children saying, please do not do this. Because if you do this, it puts me at risk. But the thing was, was that, you know what? It's cheaper to write a woman a check for $100,000 and say, I'm sorry for the loss of your loved one than it is to pay for the countermeasures to keep the cranes from falling over. But the thing is, is the unions were fighting to make sure that that crane did not lose those countermeasures. But the Senate Republicans and the, the, the right to work assholes went to work to, to make sure it passed. It passed the West Virginia citizens, West Virginia Senate to remove the countermeasures. Luckily it died in the house, but that's the kind of bullshit that you have. Yeah. So with, with, uh, yes. yeah, it, it really is right. Like that. And, and the, the democracy bucks, what uh, Yang is proposing, um, would not sadly get rid of citizens United, but just the democracy bucks would mean that, uh, regular people would have uh, somewhere between two and three times more spending power than, uh, than yes. corporations as they currently do it, which is, which, which does everything that you were saying anyway, right? Corporations are absolutely, still uh, uh, going to be dropping it around, but politicians will actually see a much larger pile of money with actual humans. And they're already, and like, Democrats are leaning that way anyway, right? So it just means that yeah, it, it, yes. it's, it's, it's an ability to, to, to have people actually be accountable to the people they're supposed to be leading. Absolutely. But it will also entice it will yeah. also entice yeah. the person running for office to go down and actually spend time with the people. You've got people that run for office and don't even, let me tell you something. I lost my congressional race to a woman that did no town halls, did no radio capabilities, did absolutely nothing except said, I'll do whatever Donald Trump wants and won. You know? <laughs> I mean, could you imagine? Yeah. I can tell you, I had a lot of supporters. Yeah. But I had a lot of supporters that don't have no money. I come from the third congressional district, which is one of the poorest places in the United States of America. A lot of these people don't have money to be able to, to give you a dime during an election. I went and did my, I did most of my fundraising out in California and places like that, you know, yeah. because I couldn't get money. You can't ask a person that can't pay their electric bill to give you a daggone $20 for your campaign. Right. But if right. you gave that money here to these people and they had it for that, oh my gosh. Be, yeah, that'd be phenomenal, and they would be more active in politics. With that that engagement thing, okay. So that that's the other thing I wanted to touch on. The the Yang's got a few policies that are, are, are will engage actual voters to have have a say, right? It, the democracy dollars are use it or lose it, which is fantastic. Um, I think one one of the other key ones. Um, that would be, I think, just able to change the conversation in a really, really important way is ranked choice voting. Um, have you have you looked into that? Do you have any opinions about uh, about ranked choice voting or how it works? Uh, no, no. Haven't. Okay, so so basically, in in, in just just real quick, um, ranked choice voting basically means that uh, you get to pick like your top three or top five uh, candidates in order, right? So in in any particular election, uh, you would be able to uh, uh, you know vote for for uh, for your favorite, vote for your second, yada yada. If your favorite doesn't win, your vote automatically goes to your second. So we don't have this uh, uh, situation anymore where yes. it's where it's a binary that you don't like, right? Like there was a lot of people that voted for for, for Jill Stein uh, in the last uh, presidential election, and that's literally by those exact numbers why Trump won, right? And there's a lot of other reasons why Trump won. They, we we talk about them all the time, right? But that that one slice would mean that people could vote their conscience, but then also not be fucking morons and <laughs> and and have their voice actually count. But it would also even like in a primary like this because they've actually tested this out. Uh, I think it was a San Francisco where they did it. 
you end up creating coalitions, right? The one uh, uh, famous race now was for, I think it was for attorney general or something like that of, of San Francisco, one of those, or maybe mayor or something. I can't remember the, the, what the race was. Uh, but there was like an incumbent Democrat, of course, it's all Democrats out there, incumbent, you know, corporate Democrat, basically, who was just like, yeah, 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 we're going to do the same thing we've been doing. Fuck poor people. We don't give a shit. Uh, and the, uh, uh, the second and third people in that race, like literally started working exactly together. They said, no matter which one of us wins, the deputy uh, attorney general will be, you know, my, uh, my running mate, right? Like they just teamed up and they won by a lot. Right. Because every single person, they just went out and said, OK, if you want to vote for me, that's great. Just no matter what, pick as your second, uh, uh, you know, my my now sort of weird running mate situation. Uh, and that's, you know, it allows you to build coalitions and, and, and win. Because that's the thing, like how many times have we seen where people are literally voting against their their their, their best interests? Uh, by far, because they don't understand the math of a dichotomous system where, where there's only two uh, possible winners that uh, uh, that you can that you can have. Yeah, I agree. All right, cool. I know that. All right. So, um, Richard, <clears throat> I run a, a group on Facebook called Conservatives for Andrew Yang, and we did a poll asking people who they wanted Yang to make their v- his VP, and you were their top choice. <laughs> if I, Yang asked I, you to be his vice president, would you, would you consider it? it? There it I is. There it, it is. Honestly, having your fire on the campaign trail, like, I just, fuck, sign me up for that right now. <laughs> That would be awesome. You put you put me put me in a room with pits. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I would just like to take a moment of silence where all I'm going to do is think about you just fucking ruining Pence's day in a debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the choir is warming up. Oh my god, that now would be awesome. I, I would absolutely. Uh, I, I would I would rip into him. I would rip into him. I mean, you know, and it's. It's like, you know, you are responsible. You know, you, you sit and allow this man do, do, to do the things that he does to this country, and you sit silent. Unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Where's the leaders in this country, man? That's the biggest problem is we don't have real leaders, and that's a shame. Yeah, that's that's a fact. I mean, you know, as uh, uh, you know, uh, conservative ex-Republican, you know, my buddy Rio and I, uh, we talk about this all the time. Where like the the number of people that should be speaking up in the Republican Party that are just going along with, and this is the thing: like Trump is literally trying to make America look like the kleptocracy in the fucking Russia. I mean, that's just this is what he's doing, right? He's trying to make this an authoritarian government where you can literally lie every fucking day. They're not going to do anything, and you know, it's literally he's playing from the playbook that Putin has been perfecting for the last. 20 years and Republicans who like revere Reagan on this freaking pedestal are doing nothing. Yeah. Oh, I, I bootlickers, bootlickers. I will send them pictures. Sometimes I send, I send Lindsey Graham a, a bootlicker picture or a middle finger about once or twice a week. Uh, <sighs> you. you know, I'm going to tell you, I, I take it personal. You I should. take offense to a person calling themselves a leader when they absolutely are not. You know, in the military, I will tell you, I have soldiers that, that didn't have a lot of rank, but were leaders and would run circles around these jackasses. Run circles. And, and what bothers me the most is, you know, Lindsey Graham actually was uh, in like the reserves or something. You know, he's like a retired colonel in the reserves. You know, really? Did he not learn any leadership in the military or was he one of those, I'm going to check the block. And of course, there's a lot of them that do that. 
know, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of politicians out there that claim we're the veterans, and if you look, they they've checked the block. That's what they've done. Yeah, we just think about I, Lindsey. I assure you, when Lindsey Graham was in Afghanistan, he wasn't in Afghanistan in the capacity that uh, that he was doing, you know, combat. He went there as a state senator that was doing his time to check the block. I don't give a shit. I say it. I think it's a shame some of these people. You know, that guy right there was given a bronze star. I guarantee you, he didn't do jack shit to earn a bronze star. And I'm yeah. calling that to his face. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty believable, especially looking at the cowardice that he exhibits now. I think, like, can you imagine if McCain could see what Lindsey Graham has become? My right? goodness gracious! It just I, could you imagine if McCain was still here? Dude, McCain would be. The, we need a McCain. Yeah, McCain would be the one that would be lighting the fire under all of those to his left and right, telling them that you've got to act. You know, look. I, I know a lot of wonderful Republicans. It doesn't yep. just because you're a Republican don't mean you're a bad person. For somebody like me that's a Democrat, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got great friends of mine that I serve in the military. Most people that serve in the military and retire from the military are Republicans, you know, and I love those guys dearly. Yep. It's just goodness gracious. What, what we've got right now leading this country, just it's, it's an embarrassment. Yeah, it's, and it's scary too because like, the, the lies work, right? Like oh, that absolutely. he's – He's talking about he's talking about a coup, and I, like I went the 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 his tweet about that. He's talking about a coup, and literally this is stochastic terrorism, right? He's inciting dummies to violence, and he knows that. Uh, yeah. And the the thread underneath that is terrifying. Like people are talking about a Marxist takeover of the government, and liberals are all like radicals and all psychotic socialists. They want to like do a like 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 they're actually talking about like we need all of our guns now because if they go after Daddy Trump. Like, it, like, like this is actually happening. And then otherwise reasonable people who are Republicans, who I know, will literally take all of these lies that he's talking about, the Ukrainian thing or whatever. If you, if you test them on any basic knowledge about anything that's happened in the, in the last week, they will parrot. Like, they'll tell me that it was a fucking perfect call. Because so many people have said it so many times because fucking Daddy Trump knows exactly how to use the mere effect, which is basically just repeating things over and over and over again until it sticks in your head. Like they're like, no, that call is perfect. I'm like, ah, fuck, we're, this is done. The country's over. I, I, I know. Well, where I'm at, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I've told people. I've told Andrew Yang. I said, look, don't waste a lot of money down here. Don't waste a lot of money down here. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you come down here and you buy billboards, don't mean nothing. You know, these people down here, a lot of them, many of them still think that Trump is the second coming of Christ. And they believe it, you know, and they like it. I think a lot of them like it because now for the first time in a long time, they think it's it's fine to to use their rebel flags as as uh, you know curtains. Yeah, that's the rebel flag. It's like basically the uh, uh, the most pathetic participation trophy in the history of the universe. Uh, yeah, no, I mean like half of Trump's points that he gets are just because he makes he like get, explicitly gives people permission to be assholes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what hey, they're he, looking for. He speaks the way we think. Wow, that's yeah. We had we had Trump warrior on here, uh, which was he's a, a Yang convert who uh, uh, you know is still an Ersatz Trump supporter. I kind of regret it, but it's interesting to 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 to, to dig into that mind, right? Because that's like he, he just believes it. He believes everything he says. It, like it just it it freaks me out. It really does. Like like living in a country where forty percent of the people will believe literally any bullshit you shove in their face is just it's just disheartening like i don't know how to really deal with it well they'll believe it if he says it i mean if you think about it that's basically their epistemology is well wait i can't i can't evaluate that claim until i hear who said it did donald trump say it oh, okay then it must be true <laughs> yeah yeah 
Like they're, they're really there. And I get the tribal bias, right? Like we're, we're, you know, there, there's to some extent or another, you're going to, you're going to see that everywhere, but it's so, it's so perfect with the way that they run their messaging now, right? This last little release, like the, 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 you know, they actually even emailed the fucking talking points to Nancy Pelosi, which was just rich. Like that was well done guys. That was amazing. And then asked for them back. They did not send them back. Uh, yeah. But now like you, you can watch, Everybody, you know, including the head of the RNC and the, the you know, uh, Pompeo over the State Department, who's probably going to get fucking arrested for something pretty soon. Like all of these people immediately went to attacking the whistleblower, which is irrelevant because the transcript of the call literally admits all the bad things that happened anyway. But they're just like they're they, they, they're so good at just blatantly lying in exactly the same way that people find it credible. Well, guys, hey, I'm going to tell you, I'd love to come on here and do this again. I've got to get to the gym. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, we, we would love to have you, man. I, I've actually already uh, already tweeted about this because you're pure fucking fire, and, and we need more of that in this conversation because it gets my blood up. I, I want to do work now. Well, I just, I'll just tell you, like I said, I won't turn Andrew Yang down. <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm going to have weird daydreams about that for a long time. Cause like that would, that would be really incredible. So what's, what's one thing that you would like to, uh, to tell, you know, most, most of the people that listen to this, uh, uh podcast are, are Yang gang. What would you suggest or what would you leave with us, uh, as, uh, uh how we should basically move forward, uh, with this fight? You know, it's like the house is on fire yes, and sir. that's a fact. The house is on fire. And let me tell you something. You cannot just expect to go cast a vote and that be done. Everybody needs to get active. You need to support with, with, with finances. You need to be making phone calls to people. You need to be knocking on people's doors. You need to educate those people out there that are saying the wrong things on social media. Because once again, there's money being spent to, 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 to create things on social media to turn people away from you know people like Andrew Yang. Yep. Everybody needs to educate the masses. And that's what we have to do. We can't sleep. We cannot sleep until election day, until after election day. But we got to work our asses off. And I mean, everybody's got to be dedicated and, and, and they have to, the house is on fire. Richard Ojeda, thank you so much for coming on board. Um, I think we should just start uh, trying to get you that beep slot right now. Cause I think that would just be fun. <laughs> Everyone. Ooh. I'll see y'all. Thanks. Man. All right. Thank you so much, man. Everyone. All right. Uh, great. Yeah, so I, I, I so left so this like, on in case you wanted, like, yeah, I figured, like, we could, like, good get, he, said, he said he would accept it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, well done. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> if he, if he actually becomes the VP and we could just clip that out and be like, oh, we're like the first person. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Like can we please? A, he, he would not be a bad choice because well, he really I mean, wouldn't. You really need somebody who balances out, um, who balances out Trump or <laughs> Trump that well, that too. Well, no, he, no but like balances but, out Yang, but also Trump. Like you want somebody who yes. it's going to be a, who, I mean, you know, uh, he was in the military for what, 24 years. Like what a perfect contrast with somebody like Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he can, he can go after Trump and say some of the things he just he said. He could be the attack dog. He, uh, he, that's what I was about to say. Yang could right? be like, I'm just going to be dignified and classy and, <laughs> and, and just seriously, like, like, just go for the juggler. Right. We have our own pit bull. He's extremely well-spoken oh, and he will man. fuck you up. And, and like that. It, yeah. It, it's because I, I've been thinking about it in terms of, of coalition building. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I, I wonder sometimes, especially after this conversation, how that might actually not matter, right? Because the Democratic Party is, is really going to be unified at defeating Trump or Pence, right? Like that's, it, I just, I can't, I can't even imagine a universe where that isn't the case, right? Because yeah. before having the, the, the battle between, you know, between Bernie and Hillary Clinton, you really did have that sense that, you know, there, 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 was, there was a schism in the Democratic Party. Um, mm. And to some extent or another, that still exists. But yeah, I think, I think Trump overrules that. Yeah, I think, I think, well, you know, I'm sure that Sanders' people are asking themselves, like, why, you know, he had like almost 50% last time around. Why is he like, you know, in the low 20s now? That's a good point. Um, and I, I think I think that the reason is because there were a lot of people who were supporting him because they that he was the alternative to Clinton. Yeah. And now there's all these other options. And and but I, I am I have to say though, I am worried about the people who are sticking with him to the bitter end. I'm worried they're gonna do it over again. Well, and here's the thing, and, and we hope that uh we got news this morning. Uh, and of course, this will come out a little bit later. This will be old news. But uh, you know, Bernie Sanders had to uh, had to go to the hospital to get some uh, some blockages he, uh, taken out, some stents put in, some heart valves. We hope that he's okay. This does speak to the argument that if we keep getting on, you know, centigenarians and octogenarians to go into office in the most important office on the face of the earth, that maybe we should think about that. That's nothing against Bernie. Obviously, he's been he's been fighting the good fight as he sees it for a really really long time. And, and uh, you know, we hope that we hope that it gets better. But, I mean, there's a non-zero probability that he drops out. Then what? Right? Then the race gets, like, flipped on its ass. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> that, I mean, I, was, I think a lot right. of, I guess, like, the polls suggest the biggest chunk of them would go to Biden, actually. Are you serious? Yeah. So they, no. When they poll, not, not a majority, but, like. But, uh, like, the biggest uh, chunk. The biggest chunk, yeah. So um, more people more Bernie Sanders people list Biden as their second choice than anybody else. And that more Biden people mind. list uh, Sanders as their second choice. I think it's because it's just like any white guy. <laughs> the old, well, that's what I was going to say. Like the, the old white guy, like just the old white guy vote. Right. Like we've, we've had stately white guys running things for a few thousand years. So obviously we need to do it again. Cause that always yeah. works out. What? Some, some of Sanders' people would go to Warren and some of them would go to Yang. Um, yeah. Uh, some of them might go to Buttigieg, probably not. I think it would mostly go to Biden, Warren, and Yang. Yeah. So that actually kind of that 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 sort of I think makes the point I was trying to make about the fact that there really isn't the schism anymore necessarily, right? So you really could get it. Like, do you remember Tim Kaine? Do you remember anything about Tim Kaine? Because I fucking don't. It's a very forgettable person, right? <laughs> That's it. Like, it's so sad, Tim Kaine. I'm sorry, buddy, but you are a very forgettable person. They, they chose him to be inoffensive. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Like it's, it's such a waste. And I mean, I was like, Pence is clearly kind of the same thing, right? Like how do you get the most like ridiculous stick in the mud you possibly can? I have to wonder if Clinton, I have to wonder if Clinton even like unofficially asked Sanders to be the VP. I don't think she did. Um, but if she had, I don't think he would have said yes. I think they both should have gotten over it and just done it because then they would have, they would have won running away. Yeah. Like it would have been it's a like ten, you guys it would have been a ten point not. race. You That's I mean? exactly like, it. Over your, your animosity for one another. Yeah, you, but have good reason to not like each other. It was a, it was a That's, harsh, nasty race toward the end, right? It, it but was. Like, they should have gotten over it for the yeah. better of the country. Hundred percent. I mean, thanks for the dumpster fire, guys. Like that. It it, uh, it was such an obvious thing to 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 do, which is why I so I'm stuck in that bias now of thinking in terms of creating a coalition. But having having this motherfucker out on the campaign trail. Like just 
I mean, I might not even watch Yang as much. I might just watch him over and over and over again. I mean, I've seen everything Yang's done at this point. I will go for a little variety. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I just, so I guess, yeah, here on this show, the official stated uh, point on the show is that we fully endorse Richard Ojeda for vice president. <laughs> Woo! That would be exciting. I, I mean, at, this, at this point, I think we have to. I mean, he just God damn. On, on, on our show. Right. Oh, and Andrew Yang is our taco. <laughs> Indeed. One more thing. Richard Ojeda for vice president. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Uh, we are so excited to be bringing this to you, and we're so excited about the uh, the awesome community, the Yang Gang that's growing up around the candidacy uh, of Andrew Yang. Uh, if you could please tag us on Twitter with the hashtag Moving Forward Pod and uh, find and join the Moving Forward podcast uh, group on Facebook. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.